We are going to be 2 Timothy 8 through 13, uh, chapter 2, verses 8 through 13, uh, where we were supposed to be last week. But 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 8 through 13. Again, uh, we're just working through 2 Timothy this semester, and, and Paul's writing to Timothy. Again, Paul is close to death as he's writing this. A lot of the things that we are talking about on Sunday mornings um, in Acts uh, is describing kind of where Paul's life is um, in the time that he is, is up, the time's up to when he's about to write this. And so, um, again, that plays into the way that he is talking to Timothy. Um, Timothy's in the middle of a culture where if you are believing in Christ and you're telling people about that, and if you are around other people, leaders, uh, leaders that people know are uh, talking about Christ regularly, um, you will, it will result in you getting persecuted and, and maybe even result in your death. And, and so um, you see a lot in this, a lot of the idea of suffering and, and talking about that because, and, and as Paul states, as we talked about before, there were people that were following Christ, there were people that were friends of Paul's, um, that stopped hanging out with them, that stopped uh, publicly, especially following Christ and, and talking about those things uh, because they were so scared of the things that were happening. And so Paul's encouraging Timothy um, to fight through all that and to endure. Last week we talked about suffering, or two weeks ago we talked about suffering with purpose. Um, we're going to kind of continue with that idea, but, but we talked about how you suffer with purpose, and now we're going to talk about a reason to endure through that suffering. And so, how we suffer th through things with purpose, but now we're talking about enduring through that su suffering, like why, why do we even do that? Um, and so he's talking a lot about endurance and, and enduring through, um, through all kinds of suffering in this section in 2 Timothy. Um, I'm going to pray real quick, and then we'll, we'll, we'll jump into 2 Timothy 2, uh, verses 8 through 13. Father, we thank you for who you are. Uh, I just pray that you would speak through your word. Um, your word is what has power. Uh, it's not anybody that, that any of us that speak it. Uh, it's you. It's your word. It's your message. That's what has the power to change people. And so I pray that you would speak to us tonight, that you would show us the things that you want us to see, um, and that we'd hear from you, and that we would do something about it. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, so we'll start in the first two verses here, verses 8 and 9. Um, it says, Remember, Jesus Christ has risen from the dead, the offspring of David, as preached by, in my gospel, for which I am suffering, bound with chains as a, as a criminal, but the word of God is not bound. Um, so he, he, he says here, remember, Jesus is risen from the dead, the offspring of David. So uh, again, we've talked about this before. Scripture is very intentional. Um, I think what Paul is saying is very intentional. Uh, the things that he is saying is very intentional. Um, and, and so he's talking and using the two reasons why I think he uses the, these phrases. Remember, Jesus is risen from the dead and the offspring of David. Um, that those things have purpose and, and why he's, he's written it that way. Um, one, of the, I think the two things that he's, Paul is highlighting in this that he wants us to remember, that he wants Timothy to remember, uh, one is Jesus, his humanity, okay? So one of the reasons that he could be putting that in there about the offspring of David is reminding us that not only is Jesus God, but that he was human. And so 
why would that be encouraging? Well, if, if Jesus as a human being was able to endure through all the suffering that he endured through, then us as human beings also have that same capability to endure through that. And that he knows what we feel when we are endure, enduring through things, um, through this suffering. And, and, and that we'll be able to do the same. So the offspring of David just pointing to his humanity in, in one case. Um, the other side of it, and, and probably I think in my mind, is, is the bigger point that he's making, um, is, is the same point that the song that we just sang was talking about. That Christ is risen from the dead, that we would remember that, so that we remember that, that Christ is, what the result was of his death. Not just that he died, but the result of that is that there's victory over death. That the result of Jesus enduring through suffering was and is his rule and reign over everything, including death. And so in, that, in mentioning David in that way, I think pointing to this idea of Jesus as the king of kings, um, remembering that he has already defeated the worst things that this world has to offer for us, that, that it is finished. Some of you have heard that before, um, that Christ said that when he died on the cross, but, but even, more, even more so when he rose from the dead, that it is finished already. That's past tense, right? that it's done, that it's taken care of, that it's not something that, that we have to wait for to happen, but that, that Christ has conquered those things already and that he is king over everything right now. And even though we go through things that are difficult in this life, things that are hard to work through, uh, and things are far from perfect here in this world, Jesus is king over everything right now. He conquered it already. Because when, when, I, when I believe that, when I believe, when I remember that Jesus is risen from the dead, when I, there's something inside of me, I don't know about, about you all, when you sing that, when I just sang that song that we sang right before I got up here, that especially the part when it's, oh death, where is your sting, and we go into that section of it, there's something that stirs in my soul when I sing that. Because there's something that, that God has wired in me that I, that I know that that's what I'm made for. I'm made for a time where like, there's no more of this junk that we have to deal with and that, that we get to be free from that and that the things that weigh us down, the things that weigh you down in your normal week, the things that frustrate you, the things that bring you pain in your life, that I don't have to be dragged down by that anymore and that we have victory over that, 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 that Jesus has already conquered that. We've talked about this before, that, that, that we know the end result of this, that we know as a follower of Christ, I know where I'm going. I know that Jesus wins. I know that I'm on his team and that he wins in the end. And so as, as, as frustrating as things get, as, as hard as things get, I know that in the end that he's already won. And, and, and I know we've used this example in here before, but I'll use it again because I because I think it makes so much sense to me that when you watch a football game or a basketball game and you know who wins and you have it DVR'd, you watch it way differently if you know the outcome and you know that your team wins than if you don't know what's going to happen. Because when I don't know what's going to happen, I get all worked up if there's a bad play, if we're down by this many points or whatever. But if I know in the end that we win, then even when things get bad and even when things look like they're awful, then I get even more excited because I know we're going to come back from that and it's going to be even better of a win in that way. 
And, and it's, I, I'm not nervous at all when I watch something like that. And so in the same kind of way that, that when he says, remember Jesus risen from the dead, remember Jesus risen from the dead, I think that is what he's pointing us to. Remember that there is victory over all this stuff now, already. And that if you do remember that and you do believe that, it will change your perspective of the things that you're in the middle of right now. Because I know no matter how hard it gets, no matter how frustrating it gets, that this is not the end. The end is that I win. Because I am one with Christ, we are risen with him as, I, as we were just singing about, that, that, I, that I win in the end, even when I feel like I'm losing in this life right now. If you know that, if you really believe that, it changes the way that you deal with things in the middle of them. Uh, so that's the first thing that, that Paul is pointing Timothy to in here. Before I go any further, I think I need to clarify this too, that when we talk about suffering in here tonight, when we talk about enduring through suffering, because I'll talk a lot about that tonight, this is enduring through suffering and while you're in the path of obedience to Christ. This is not enduring and suffering that you bring on yourself. Okay? This is not like, God, why am I suffering so much? Like, because I have no money. And like, every time that you get money, you spend it on stupid stuff. And you're not like trying to do anything for God with that. Or God, why do I struggle in relationships? And, and why are you making me struggle in this area of relationships? And all you're doing in your relationship is trying to feed your own desires and your messing around physically with, with your boyfriend or girlfriend and you're, you're doing all these things. Like, you bring some of that on yourself. One of my favorite quotes in life, uh, one of my favorite quotes in life is, everything happens for a reason, right? Some uh, people love that quote. Um, everything happens for a reason, but then the rest of that quote that I love is, sometimes that reason is because you're an idiot and you make bad decisions, okay? Um, and so, know that. Like, sometimes I make bad decisions, and my bad decisions result in my suffering, right? The most basic of these is, like, this thing's really hot on the stove. If I touch it, it's going to burn me, and it's going to hurt, and I'm going to suffer. And it's stupid for me to say, like, if I know that, to touch that and, and get burnt and be like, God, why would you do that to me, right? That's just dumb. That's silly. So that's not what we're talking about. There are some things in life where you just make bad decisions, and it brings suffering into your life. We're talking about like you're living life, you're doing the best that you can to follow Christ, and you will still experience suffering. Paul's like the biggest stud out there that I, that I could think of of people following Christ, and he, has, he suffers a ton. And shipwrecks and things like this, and he gets beaten and he gets thrown in jail, um, all these kinds of things. And that's more of the kind of suffering that he's, that he's talking about. Suffering for the sake of the gospel. And then we'll go into that as we go into these next verses. Um, it goes on in the next, uh, well, at the, end of, uh, at the end of verse 8, it said, according to my gospel. So I wanted to address that real quick. Why would Paul say my gospel? The gospel is God's, right? Yes. Uh, the answer is yes. Good job. Um, this is the message that he was, so why does he call it my gospel? Because this is the message that he was always preaching. Our need to trust in Christ and his finished work on the cross uh, and the, these verses in Acts 26, I think we might have it up here for you, so you don't have to flip there. Um, Acts 26, 15 through 18 says this. Uh, I believe this is another reason why, why Paul calls this my gospel, is because he says this in various places, that, that God entrusted the gospel to him. Um, specifically, this is when 
uh, in, in Acts 26 when, when he's telling his story of God, uh, his first encounter with Jesus Christ and Jesus changing his life forever and him going from being Saul, this guy that was persecuting Christians, to Paul, this guy who is trying to evangelize and bring the gospel to the world. Um, and he says this in verse 15, And I said, Who are you, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. But rise and stand upon your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to appoint you as a servant and a witness to the things in which you have seen me and, and to those in which you will, I will appear to you, delivering you from your people and from the Gentiles to whom I am sending you, to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. That's words of God to Paul. And so why does he say my gospel? Is because he's saying this is something that God gave me and he said, literally said, go and preach this to everybody that you can, especially the Gentiles. And so I think, and then the last thing that I would say about why, why would he say my gospel? Again, there's people that are like watering down the gospel now because of the, the fear of suffering and so he's making clear, too, that this is the gospel that I'm preaching about. Because people would even call it the gospel. And they were false, like they were watering things down. Uh, and so, again, to distinguish all of that, he says, my gospel, uh, for which I suffer hardship even to um, the imprisonment as a criminal, or uh, for which I am suffering bound with chains as a criminal, but the word of God is not bound. I'm suffering bound in chains as a criminal, but the word of God is not bound or is not imprisoned, as some versions say. Even though Paul was put in prison for it, he knew that the message that he was preaching could never be bound or put in prison or uh, contained. I think this shows as well that, that, that Paul knows. It's not, it's not the fact that Paul is sharing it. It is what is Paul, what that what. Paul is sharing that changes lives. It's not Paul himself. It's the message that he was preaching. The power to change lives is in the message of the gospel, not the person who shares it. People can be bound. People can be contained. But the word of God will never be contained. Never. And so Paul is saying, like, you can endure for that reason as well, knowing that even if you get killed, worst case scenario, that will not stop this message from continuing to move forward because this is God's plan, this is God's word, and the power all lies in that message. And so somebody else will take it forward. And so there's a lot of, of, of comfort and, and encouragement in that, that this thing that I am living for, just my purpose in that, this thing that I'm living for, that even when I die, will not die with me. This thing that I'm living for will go on for eternity. The word of God will last forever. Um, and it will continue to move forward until, uh, until Christ comes back. And there's nobody that can stop that. They can, people can be imprisoned. People can be beaten for it. People can be killed for it. And it's not going to stop the word of God from moving forward. And then he goes on to say, Therefore I, I endure everything for the sake of the elect." Some, people, some versions say, for the sake of those who are chosen, that they may also obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with, inter with eternal glory. Paul says that the reason that he endures for the gospel, the reason for his endurance is for the gospel overall. 
So the reason he endures through all the suffering that he endures through is because he is trying to spread the gospel. First and foremost, that's, that's if, you, if you had one question to answer, like, why did, what's the reason for enduring through suffering? The, the answer is enduring for the gospel. That's his, that's his answer overall. But even more specifically, he goes in to say, so that other people might be saved by the power of that gospel. Uh, so he lives and he endures and he suffers for the gospel, but he suffers for the gospel for the sake of other people. In this, ver- in this section of scripture, he says the elect or, or, or the, those that are chosen, we could get off in lots of tangents on that one. Um, people that talk about predestination, all these sorts of things. You can talk about that for a long time. We're not going to talk about that tonight. Um, why do I think he says that here, though? I think Paul says, uh, and uses that phrase, the elect, or those that are chosen, because I think he wants to emphasize that it's God who saves people, that it's not just Paul, and it's not Paul sharing the gospel that saves people. It's God who is the one who saves people. And Paul wants to make it clear um, that that's what he believes that it is God who's in control of which people will, will, will respond and be saved. Um, and it's not that Paul like, would only share the gospel with certain kinds of people or anything like that. Um, Paul will share the gospel. If you read scripture and you read about Paul and you look at Paul's life, he shares the gospel with everybody he can possibly share the gospel with. Um, and he makes it clear that he would do anything to suffer and suffer through anything in order for the gospel to be made clear to as many people, no matter who they are, Gentiles or Jews or whoever, as possible. Uh, that's his goal. He wants to see more and more people come to know Christ and be saved by the power of the gospel. And so he endures through getting beaten. He endures through getting shipwrecked. He endures through all these things that he has to face for the sake of the gospel and specifically so that other people will hear the gospel and be saved by it. He cares that much about people being lost and not knowing Jesus that he would get beaten for it, that he would get thrown in jail for it, that he would suffer all these kind of crazy things for it. It says in this verse, Paul's own words, I endure all things, all things, for the sake of those who are chosen so that they may obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus. He doesn't say like some things, like I'll endure a little bit. And so this is, this is like probably the most convicting part of this section for me. Because I think about my life, right? I think about the things that I endure in my life for the sake of the gospel. And for sure, I can think of things that I do endure. I, I can think of things that are frustrating, things that are hard, things that it's, it's difficult. And there are difficulties that come up for, uh, because, because I live to share the gospel. There are difficulties that come up with that. There's, there's there's things that are difficult that makes it hard to kind of balance things with our, with our family. Um, and, and that's difficult because I have four kids that I want to pour into, a wife that I want to spend time with and, and invest in. Um, and then I have other people that I want to share the gospel with. And, and those things collide a lot of the times. And so it's difficult and it's hard. And there's things that I endure through. But when I really think about, like I think about what am I enduring for the gospel, what am I enduring so that other people might know and trust in Jesus? So, so let's think about that for a second. Think about this with me. These questions that, that kind of came to my head as I was reading through this part. What, what are you enduring? What am I enduring so that other people might know and trust in Jesus? Think about that in your own life. If you are a follower of Christ, 
What are you enduring right now in your life so that other people might know and trust in Jesus? Are you willing to be seen as different and unpopular? Are you, will, are you willing to endure that? Are you willing to endure the awkwardness of sharing the gospel with someone? Uh, are you willing to endure your own inconvenience or your own discomfort in some way in order to show someone the love of Christ and share the gospel? Are you willing to endure the fear of rejection? And sadly, like when I think about it in my own life, those are the main things that usually keep me from like wanting to tell people about Christ, wanting to have that conversation and share the gospel and speak the truth to other people. A lot of times it's, it's some silly fears. Like I don't, I've never been, had my life threatened because I might share the gospel. I've never been threatened to be beaten by anybody because I would share the gospel. Most of the time, it comes back to like my own insecurities and my own little fears. And if I'm honest with myself, the number one thing that keeps me from enduring things like this and actually being the man that God created me to fully be is my selfishness. My selfishness keeps me from sharing the gospel probably more than anything else. Because think about it, this, if you, maybe I'm totally different from you, but this, this is me like working through my own stuff, right? That, that I'm so focused, often I'm so focused on my comfort, my wants, my day and the way I want it to go, um, my issues, like the things going on in my life that are difficult, um, my problems, my prayers, my rest, my fear, my insecurities, my, 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 my. I'm focused on me so much of the time. If I'm really honest, I, I'm focused on me so much of the time. And, and being so focused on me is what keeps me fro- probably from enduring some of these things because I want to be comfortable. I, want, I don't want my day to be messed up if I have to do this and have this conversation. Uh, I, don't, I don't want to feel awkward. I don't want to be rejected by somebody. I don't want to have that conversation and share the gospel with somebody and then somebody look at me and say like, and you're an idiot. Like, why are you even telling me about this, you know? I, f- I fear those things still. You're like, but you like come up here and preach. Yeah, I, I do, but it doesn't make that less awkward. It doesn't. Um, so maybe one of the keys to me enduring and, and to you enduring through suffering is to quit thinking about me so much, to quit thinking about yourself so much, uh, and think more about the faithfulness of the one who created me. Because when I look at Paul's life, when I read about the things that he talks about, and, I, and just the way he talks about things too, like just this passion that above all else, like if I were to, to describe like one thing about Paul, that he just wanted as many people as possible to understand the gospel and, and follow Christ. And that was his number one goal. At one point he, when he's writing to these people, he even says that, he, he said, if it was possible, I would give up my own salvation for you. That's crazy. And, and he's saying, how, like, just seeing how much he cares about other people knowing the gospel blows my mind. Uh, that the last things, I, he's human, right? And I'm sure he made mistakes. I'm not saying he's, like, perfect, but he seemed to have a far more together than I have a lot of the times and he seemed to have far more of a heart for lost people than, than I have a lot of the time and probably came up with a lot less excuses of like well I'm like really tired today you know I needed that uh, I can come up with a lot of excuses of, of why 
not to do the things that God is calling me to do. Um, and then he goes into this last section, these last few verses, 11 through 13. Uh, and he says, this, the saying is trustworthy. Uh, the saying, he's probably using a popular creed or saying that people were familiar with and had heard this many times before. So the, these last few lines, people were probably pretty familiar with and they've, they've heard somebody say this before. Uh, and he's saying this saying is, is trustworthy. It can be relied on. Um, it's, it's something that you can rely on and, and, and it'll be faithful. Uh, and so he goes into these last few statements and he says, if you do this, then this will happen. He's kind of if then, this, these if then statements that he has these things coupled together. Um, and, and so he's, he's getting ready to, to go through that. And I feel like what he's doing in this last section, um, I thought about it this way, that it's, you think about it, it's easier to endure hardships and suffering when you know it's taking you somewhere you want to go or keeping you from something you don't want. So I'll say that again. It's easier to endure hardships or suffering when you know that that, that suffering is taking you somewhere you want to go or keeping you from something that you don't want in your life. So if I know that, if I know that the, the, the reason that I'm suffering is because it's keeping me from something that I don't want to, to have in my life or it's taking me somewhere that I want to go, then it's easier to suffer through those things. So think about it this way. Athletes, that's probably the easiest one for me to think of. Athletes work out. They train really hard. And the reason that they work out and they train is for their games and essentially for championships. Like that's, that's the main reason they go through the drills that they go through. They get yelled at by coaches and they put up with all that stuff is because they want to win games and they want to perform well in games and they want to win championships. So they'll, they'll be willing to endure and suffer these things so that they can get this on the end, right? Um, but if you're not an athlete, then, then think about it this way. There's, it's easier to suffer through school when you know you have spring break next week, right? It's easier to suffer through this week because you know next week I get a break. And so I can suffer through like a couple more days and then I'm, then I'm done for a little bit. And, and even beyond that, like you get summer break and that's like the best part. And then when you're in college, you get Christmas break, which is like the best part. Um, and you know that you have these weeks without school. So it makes suffering through classes, especially as it gets closer, a lot easier. Um, Maybe there's something that you're looking forward to, like a big event. Whenever you have something like that, um, then, then, then that, that helps to uh, keep your mind focused on something that's coming up. Like for us, uh, we're going on a cruise in May, just me and Lauren. And no kids, no responsibilities, and that's awesome. And so sometimes I use that, like, all right, in May, which is coming up really soon, we get to go do that. So that's like something that I can focus on, right? Um, think about dieting and exercise, right? If you diet and you exercise, then you have to cut out things, but you know it will keep you from being overweight. So you can suffer through some of those things so you can get a certain result. Um, same idea. I think this is what Paul is doing in this last section. He, he's letting, um, letting us know and pushing us to the, the end so that we would keep the end in mind. And reminding us, like, if we suffer with Christ, for Christ, if we suffer for the gospel, and we endure through that, this is what we get. Um, and so he says, if we have died with him, we will also live with him. 
This is something that if you've been in church a long time, then you hear that and you hear about dying with Christ and, you, and we'll live with him and that can become a pretty normal thing to hear. But, but think about that. That's, that's in April 12th, we're doing Baptism Sunday again and there'll be lots of people that get baptized. Um, a couple of our students are getting baptized. Uh, and they will go in here and they will go underwater and they will be raised back up symbolizing that they died with Christ and that they were raised with him. And think about, think about death. Death is not a pretty and easy and like this simple thing. It's something that's usually painful and something that is um, drawn out a lot of times and, and uh, is not an easy, quick thing often. It, it's, it's something that's hard to deal with. It's something that is difficult. And when we die with him, what it is saying is we are dying to our old self. That we're dying to our old way of life before Christ came into it. And sometimes it's difficult because dying is not easy. It's difficult. Um, dying to the things of this world, dying to our old way of life, dying to ourselves, being in control. And then we're raised to new life in Christ where he is in control. He has my life. He's the one that I want to live for. I want to live for decisions that they bring him glory and not myself. And so we're, we're, we're dying to our old self. We're raised to this new life, 2 Corinthians 5.17. That you are a new creation in Christ. The old is gone, the new has come. So if we die with him, which does mean dying to some of the things of the world, some of the things that the world has to offer, we die to those things, then we get to be living with him also. So yeah, it's painful to die. It's hard to die to the things of this world. But what we get if we en endure that death is life with him. Life with him forever, but life right now in this world that's worth living. And then, then he goes on to say, if we endure, then we will also reign with him. If we endure through hardship and we endure through suffering and continue to live for Christ and spread his word, then we get to reign and rule with him. That's something for all believers, like we get to be with him forever. Um, we, but I think part of this, part of this too, and, and again, we don't have time to go into the detail on it. Um, there, you read about different things in Scripture, talking about different crowns that people get, um, and, and different rewards that Christians, like one Christian, will have a different crown than somebody else. And I think that's that's part of what he's saying in here that there'll be Christians that, based on how much they endure for the sake of Christ. Some will, will endure more for the sake of Christ than others, and they will get different crowns and different rewards. And I don't know how that works out. I don't know exactly how that's played out, so if you ask me that question, I'll tell you. I don't know. Um, but I know that that is in Scripture, uh, and I think that's part of what he's saying here. And then he goes into this really fun part that we all want to hear. Uh, if we deny him, he will also deny us. And so looking up that word deny, what does that mean? When I looked it up, it said reject or disown. If we reject or disown him, if we reject or disown Jesus as Savior and Lord of our lives, he will reject us and deny us and we'll spend eternity in hell. That's what I think it means. And so that, that if I deny him as being Lord and Savior and I deny that in my life for the rest of my life and I, and I, and I don't acknowledge him as Savior and Lord and trust my life to him, then when the end comes, I'm going to be eternally separated from him. 
And then it goes on to say, if we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. So even when we are unfaithful, and I, I'll say that in two ways. Even when we are unfaithful, when we didn't, even when, you didn't, when there's people that deny him and don't want to know him and don't want to give their lives to him for the rest of their life and are etern eternally separated for, from him, even those people, he is still faithful and he is still the same God and he is still true and he's still loving and he's still offered a way for them if they choose to accept that. He's offered a way from, for everybody through his son, Jesus Christ, so that we could be with him forever. Um, so even, even if we're unfaithful, he's always faithful. Um, even if, so for us as, as believers, as followers of Christ, I mean, I think it's that level too, that even when we mess up and we screw up, even like take Peter, for example, I think he's a perfect example of this. He literally denies Christ in front of three people, right? Before the rooster crows. He says, no, I don't know him. He literally says he doesn't know Christ. But then when Christ comes back after he's raised from the dead, then there's a scene where he reunites with Peter and he restores Peter. And, and it shows Peter that he's still faithful to him even when Peter was unfaithful. He remains faithful. He cannot deny himself. He is faithful to all of his promises. So I think about it in that way. He's faithful to all of his promises. He's faithful to love us, to give us his to give his, he's faithful to give his life for the glory of God, Jesus is, and, and for you to be able to have a relationship with him. He's faithful to be the, the way, the truth, and the life like he said he would be. He's faithful to be the only way to get to the Father like he said he would be. And he's just, and, he, and he's going he's gonna to be faithful to the promises that he's made. Um, so as I, as I think about all this, all these verses... Again, the reason that we can endure through suffering, suffering in the, as we are on this course of obedience to God, is because God is faithful. It's his faithfulness that allows us to endure. It's not our working really hard at it. 